0: Hello, I'm Victoria. And I'm Johnny. Welcome to Tasty Pages, a podcast for people who love cookbooks, food, and cooking. Each week, we'll discuss a featured cookbook from
1: our popular Cooking the Books Instagram page.
0: We'll also discuss the dishes that we made and rank the book in a variety of categories,
1: including food photography and styling, degree of difficulty, and of course, taste.
0: The conversation is always unscripted, unedited, and uncensored. Spoiler alert, Victoria likes to swear.
1: All of this Takes place in our living room in the heart of Minneapolis.
0: Oh, yeah. We also have a featured show topic with contributions from our listeners, and we end each episode with a lame food related joke. Usually very lame. Hey, now, (laughs) join Join us for for Tasty tasty pages. Pages. This week's featured cookbook is
1: One Pot Pan Planet by Anna Jones.
0: Hi, Johnny. Hey, Victoria.
1: <laughs> How are you? What's happening, hot stuff? <laughs> Not a whole lot. It's we recording the sun on a Monday. Yeah. So I'm drinking tea. I was going to say, which
0: means we're sober. <laughs>
1: <laughs> There's no cocktails. Involved. I, I was
0: kind of tempted to make up a cocktail before we started this, but got to got to have some discipline. I know. So uh, welcome to episode 68 of Tasty Pages, a podcast from Cooking the Books. Hey, you know what? What? I uh, did some uh, Amazon maintenance and upgraded the list, added a few things, and even added a new category or a new list. Ooh, do tell. Yeah. So this one is called Food Photography and Styling because it occurred to me that maybe there are other people out there that um, are kind of avid amateur home cooks and they might want to photograph some of the dishes they made and make them look good and... Uh, We've got a few items that we use here. All of our items are uh, taken with an iPhone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's the
1: thing. You don't have to invest. I mean, obviously, if you have like a really great digital camera, use it. Your you know your photos will be top of the line. But I th- I think my iPhone does a great job.
0: Yeah. So um, I figured uh, this might be useful to others that are kind of thinking of uh, stepping up their food photography game. So uh, anyway, if you visit our website wecookbooks.com, and click on the store tab. That will direct you to our amazon.com affiliate page, and we've got uh, some lists there, kitchen essentials for home cooks, cookbooks, fun food finds, and this new category I just mentioned, food photography and styling. I've updated all those lists, added some new fun things to each of them. If you make a purchase from any of those lists, you'll get a little something in return, won't cost you anything more, We'll get a few pennies. It's a great way to support what uh, we're doing here, and thank you for that. It's always cool to like get our little report at the end of the month and see what people are are, are picking up I agree. for themselves. I agree. So what do you want to talk about first? We did we did a big uh, food photography prop purge and reorganization.
1: Yeah, I have. Um, Speaking of which, I have a six a six shelf. Um, Storage a, area. Yeah, it's kind of a
0: baker's rack or yeah. kitchen rack.
1: Um, and that's what all my plates, platters, bowls, glassware, linens. Utensils. Um, utensils. That's where they all go, and it's out in the open because we don't have enough storage for it. But this works nice. Yeah. So basically, I got rid of some stuff that we don't really... Use very often stuff that I've had for a while. I got rid of a lot of stuff before we
0: moved, right?
1: But somehow we just seem to <laughs> keep picking up
0: <laughs> it, things it here. Or there, yeah, we've bought some stuff recently. You've got some some stuff incoming from your pottery class. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited. So we to need see. to make some room.
1: Yeah, like uh, yesterday we went to an antique store. It's this big antique mall. It's two two levels there's a main floor and a downstairs and i didn't even make
0: it downstairs
1: it was mostly closed downstairs but still great nonetheless um i mean i love the clothes but and it's organized by different vendor booths and whatnot so there's a wide array of of selection there
0: ever since pulp fiction i have a hard time like going down to the basement of some business (laughs) business
1: <laughs> that you know that basement was the floors were like really uneven it kind of reminded me of like my grandma's old basement of course you know and it it did have that like basement smell oh, of course yes so we picked up a uh, we picked up this really great set of uh glasses Normally, I don't buy things, like I won't buy glassware in sets because I only need like one or two.
0: Yeah. You should know our collection consists entirely of single pieces. So one plate, one bowl. Right. Speaking of, uh, you know, it's a perfect segue into this book. (laughs) One pot and pan.
1: So yeah, I got these beautiful um, multi-color. Each glass is a different color. I got this really great uh, handmade ceramic pie plate. Uh, That was
0: my find.
1: That was your find. Yep. And then there was a lovely ceramic pattern that had this beautiful green swirl. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then there's a bowl that has, it's painted and it's got, the graduated colors of the sunset going down the side, and it's got beautiful scalloped edges. And on the bottom, there's like this blue farmhouse scene. Mm-hmm. You'll never be able to see that when food is in there, but right. the colors were freaking gorgeous. Agreed. Yes.
0: Yeah, but I mean, that that brings up an interesting kind of topic to discuss briefly is, uh, you know, just kind of where we find some of the props that we use in our photos. I'm, I'm assuming most of the people that listen to this are also into cookbooks and cooking and you know might even dabble in a little bit of food photography themselves. And if they follow us um, at uh, our Cooking the Books Instagram, they've probably seen a lot of the props we use. Uh-huh. And um, by no means are we professionals or have like a professional level budget. Nope. So everything that you see was acquired just through... Our shopping trips to, you know, like we said, antique stores, some of the discount stores like TJ Maxx and Marshall's, Target. um, If you do any like estate and garage sales. um,
1: That's a really great place to to find stuff. Occasionally we'll splash out if something is really, really cool. Johnny just got these uh, martini glasses from this place called, uh, it's this bespoke Store called Martin Patrick, kind of like a haberdashery. Yeah, um, I could like I seriously could not afford one single piece of clothing in there. I mean, it It, is a men's store. Yeah,
0: it's men's store. They got a lot of clothing. They have uh, toiletries and grooming and self care stuff. They have this nicely curated selection of like coffee table books and things like that. They have like some. (sighs) cocktail barware did
1: you see that olive just drink out of your water glass she can help herself (laughs) i don't mind
0: there's no vodka in there um but yeah it's it's nice and and cold so they have they have a a nice you know west elm cb2 are great places as well but you know those are going to be a little more spendy, so that would be more like these splurge worthy pieces. If you want kind of like a statement piece or something,
1: well, and as well, like places like Crate and Barrel or whatever. I mean, they're, you know, it's their pieces are more common and you're going to see them more places. Sure. I'm, I'm. Personally I prefer like one of a kind pieces. Right. Like handmade handmade stuff.
0: And that's with the case of the stuff that we found yesterday at the antique store, that's yeah. kind of where that falls is like these one of a kind ceramic pottery pieces and stuff. So yeah. Um good yeah. talk. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, changing topics. There there was no segue into that. No
0: segue. None
1: at all. So I was having some health issues, like digestive issues, wasn't feeling so great, so I decided to, I self-diagnosed, and decided to- As you do. As I do, and decided to eliminate gluten from my diet.
0: So this was how long ago? Four weeks ago, roughly? Three weeks ago?
1: I, it's only been two weeks since I got, yeah. Really, okay, it seems longer. (laughs) Quit your bullshit, Balmer. And it hasn't been that hard. I always feel sad when we walk past like a beautiful loaf of bread. I'm like, oh, I want that. Yeah. But let's see. I made some gluten free chocolate chip cookies. Can't tell. Right. I made a gluten free carrot cake that was so good. That was really delicious. <laughs> so, well, what good. was that recipe from? That was a uh, that was a Chris Morocco recipe from, from Bon, bon Appetit. Appetit. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And then. Um, Johnny just brought home this uh, America's test kitchen the how it can be gluten-free yeah cookbook and I just paged through it and I'm really excited to to start working from it yeah um, I know like I like to make fun of um like oh gluten-free bullshit. you know gluten-free baked goods but if you have to do it you yeah. have to do it I don't know why anyone would do like choose to be gluten free if they didn't happen. And isn't to. it
0: odd that it just kind of happened where I your know. body seems to have just developed this? It's
1: like no nope. allergy. Yeah.
0: Just spontaneously, seemingly.
1: Yeah. Well, it's like I didn't I didn't become allergic to cats till I was an adult. Any allergies that I had, I developed as an adult. Huh. So,
0: who knows? Yeah, and I have to say, speaking as someone you know who I'm, I'm trying to be supportive and 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 also like we're not crazy we're not going to make like two separate meals or anything like right. that so i i just will you know gladly go along with with the change in in diet at least when we're eating meals together and stuff and it really like you said it hasn't been that bad no i i, f- I feel like most of the things that we would probably eat just happen to be gluten free anyway. Mm-hmm. So with just making a few simple changes and exploring like some of the alternatives that are out there in the case of like gluten free pasta or even some of the bread items or crackers or something. Yeah. That's really all we've had to change.
1: Right. So, and it hasn't and, been bad. And you know, for baking there is gluten free flour that you can buy. You can use almond flour. And I can um, say
0: no difference. Right. Taste wise.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And you're feeling better.
1: I am feeling better. Good.
0: Yeah. Woo-hoo. <laughs> <All> right. <laughs> Should we talk about what we're currently working on? Yes. Uh, so it's Half-Baked Harvest Every Day by mm-hmm. Tegan Gerard, and this is her third book in the Half-Baked Harvest series. We just completed... The Half-Baked Harvest Super Simple uh-huh. and featured that on our Instagram. This one will be coming up shortly. Yeah, this is another and, book that um, we got sent. We're like halfway into it.
1: So far, so good. Yeah, it was another book that we got sent. Uh, it got sent to us by the publisher. Yeah. And we are enjoying it so far.
0: And uh, that leads us into what's for dinner tonight?
1: Well, we were originally going to have the salmon cob salad with nutty green ranch.
0: What do they say? Don't buy salmon on Monday? I think that's, that's what I say.
1: I think that's Sunday, but today it proved to be Monday because <laughs> yeah. the salmon just didn't look good. So we are pushing that to tomorrow and tonight we're just going to make a pantry meal. I'm doing like a, like a giant omelet with soy chorizo, some black beans.
0: It literally is a pantry meal. Yeah. I don't think we picked up anything for it. It was all just mm-hmm. stuff that we have kicking around in the fridge.
1: Oh, I I picked up a can of green chilies. There you go. That's it. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to, I'm very hungry right now. I'm so hungry. I'm feeling really snacky.
0: Well, this might change your mind. What's the most unusual thing you've ever ate?
1: Oh, look at that. That's Lee, our show question. Oh, look at that segue. Yep. Aren't you smart? So we
0: threw this out to the listeners. We got its ton of response, so thank you for that. And uh, let's dive in. All right.
1: Lee D. said, Marmite and avocado sandwich, which I tried from my friend, uh, from New Zealand, it was in his lunch at work many years ago, Barfarama.
0: <laughs> so I, I, I get confused about the difference between Vegemite and Marmite. And so I, I looked it up. Vegemite is of Australian origin, uh-huh. Uh savory, salty, slightly bitter. Marmite is a little more slightly sweet and salty.
1: Are they, they're both like they're from both, yeast, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. See, I thought the two were interchangeable, just had different names. No. That shows uh, how... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know.
0: I, I think if you asked Australians <laughs> or Brits, oh, they'd, so they'd was... give you an earful right? of the differences. And which one is better? But, uh, I'd say neither. I Yeah. I, I, as we, in,
1: we got some... Which as, was it? We had some Vegemite or Marmite. I don't remember we what. We
0: got Vegemite. Yeah. And it was not good.
1: Yeah. Well, we did the whole put some on buttered toast thing yeah. in a very, very thin layer, mind you. Yeah. And it still wasn't good.
0: Maybe it's an acquired taste. Maybe yeah. like Campari or Could something. Could be, yeah. Corey B said maybe alligator. And I don't know if that meant like perhaps alligator was the most unusual thing that he ate or maybe it was alligator.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what was it?
0: I, it's a mystery.
1: Sarah E said sweetbreads. Uh, I had it at a restaurant that was hosting a French wine dinner. I love sweetbreads. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, I've also had squirrel and rabbit that were hunted by my brothers.
0: Not very sweet, though, surprisingly.
1: No, they are neither <laughs> sweet nor breads. No. For those who don't know, uh, sweetbread is the thymus gland.
0: Yes. Uh, our friend Mike T said live tiny termites. As part of a jungle excursion in Belize, our guides showed us these tiny ant-sized termites that could be a source of protein if you're ever lost and without food. So if you should ever find yourself uh, lost in Belize, you can eat these little tiny termites.
1: You know, I'm okay with eating bugs. As
0: long as your stomach's not made of wood. Right. (laughs) I'm okay
1: with eating bugs, but I think eating live ones would be... How many
0: bugs do you think you've ate? In your oh lifetime? my god! Are you kidding me? Way too many. I, I try not to think about yeah, it. Yeah, right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Joseph P. said raccoon stew. Seriously,
0: that's where your pet raccoon went, right? Joseph ate Joseph. it. Joseph. <laughs> <laughs> Our friend Jack Jackdaw said beaver. Yes, that damn building mammal. Mammal. <laughs> uh, it was an exotic dining event at a restaurant here in Minneapolis named uh, Travail. And he was so shocked to learn that uh, that's what they were eating that he doesn't even remember what it tasted like.
1: Still got to go to Travail.
0: Um, I'm sure if they serve beaver on the menu, it's probably very tasty. <laughs> Wait, I, that, could ma- I could make I could make a joke, but I'm not weird. going
1: to. <laughs> we'll try and keep this like rate of PG,
0: so especially after that last episode. Okay, right, what else you got? Oh, you caught me mid-swallow. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we weren't going to go there.
1: <laughs> um. Kimberly R. said Cricket Stir Fry at an Asian restaurant in L.A. whose name I've forgotten. And scorpion that had been in the bottom of a bottle of tequila. Like a worm, but in this case Durango?
0: What? Isn't that Durango? Isn't that the Spanish name for scorpion? I
1: have no idea. Uh. (laughs) Um, Anyway, this was a scorpion, not a worm. Uh, Both of them tasted uh, similar to eating a shrimp tail. Not awful, but something that I'm not dying to have again.
0: Shrimp tail. <laughs> doesn't sound very appetizing, especially if it were raw. <laughs> uh, Charlene J said, I had sweet and salty fried crickets on top of ice cream. It was surprisingly tasty. The weird part was feeling something in between my teeth and realizing it was a cricket leg <laughs> I, I, I understand
1: Kairosti said Boudin noir, which is blood sausage it was a staple in their Frankish Norman family's recipe
0: cookbook recipe yeah that <laughs> family's recipe <laughs> books Maggie 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 said either moose snout or beaver tail <laughs> <laughs> All right. just a snout yep <laughs>
1: Mike B. said, I love the exact delicacies listed here because he said that because this was from Facebook. You could see other people's comments. His weirdest food, he says, is pretty common. It's old school. It's ethnic. It's cannibal sandwich, which is raw ground beef with salt, pepper, red onion smeared on rye bread and... He eats it at like Polish parties and funerals. He's been eating it since he was a since he was Little Big Mike.
0: <laughs> Almost a spin on a like a tartare. Yes. Oh.
1: Yeah. Okay. I love I, a tartare. I'd rather
0: say tartare than cannibal sandwich personally. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> uh, Mimi M says, uh, I intentionally ate one ant at a fufu restaurant in Brazil. It was uh, in some sort of crunchy thing. Maybe a meringue. Then she also added, How about cactus? I ate cactus in Arizona. No needles, of course. <laughs> Cause I think originally she said that she ate ants, and I was like, I think we've all probably ate ants
1: <laughs> <laughs> inadvertently.
0: So she had to clarify that she intentionally ate them in a dish.
1: Uh, Joe B said, Chicken feet in Chinatown after a socks game. I've also eaten some weird shit, but this was top of the list in terms in we in terms of weird and also unenjoyable. I feel you. I get that.
0: Yeah. The only thing we use chicken feed for is making uh, stock. Yeah. Cause they've but, got
1: a lot of cartilage in it and yeah. it makes it, it'll make your stock nice and
0: I mean, nice and rich. Yeah. It's the only thing I've found a, a use for, for it. Um, and this next one I'm going to let you do. Cause I, I, don't know what it is.
1: Okay, uh, Kathleen N said chow Dofu, which is it's a it's also known as stinky tofu. It's a okay. fermented tofu, and it's prepared in various manners depending on like where you are in China. Okay, so there's like not there's one regional specific, variations
0: uh-huh. of it. Yeah. Okay, all right. Uh, At Lisa Egerton said nutria, which is uh, also known as swamp rat. Ugh. Popular in the, like the southern states here in mm. the United States, Louisiana in particular. Mm-hmm. And she says, I know, gross.
1: <laughs> uh, Shelly KVD said, sea cucumber in China.
0: All right. Uh, at Jessica DeLacy said, horse. Interesting.
1: I feel like other cultures eat horse. Yes. You know, just like some, some you know, cultures and religions don't eat cow or whatever like to you know
0: well and it's it's interesting to me that here in the united states we probably eat more cow and beef than just about any Mm -hmm. nation but yet horses we just like put in stables and put saddles on them and ride around yeah interesting yeah yeah
1: writer Rhiannon said escargot chicken livers or mac and cheese with hot dogs and ketchup all <laughs> That's over That's just it. gross. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's not unusual. That's just like a eight-year-old's meal. Yeah, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then
0: lastly, at uh, six, Asivo said, uh, Tripe cooked the Northern Iranian way. And he mentioned that he's Iranian. Uh, and then uh, snails in Paris. Both delicious. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd give it a go. Yeah. Uh, what do you have for your picks?
1: Um... I would say probably Pig Eye. Uh, we once went to this pop-up. We were basically served a pig's head on a platter. And
0: this was back in Chicago, and it was actually hosted by the two people, which uh, it was kind of the precursor to what became Fat Rice, mm-hmm. which was a really popular restaurant for a while in Chicago. But this was like their pop-up restaurant that they would do. And
1: they, they had multiple pop-ups and yeah. we went to many of them
0: and this one just happened to be like a wasn't it like a roast pig dinner yeah and it included the pig head
1: mm-hmm. yeah and so yeah we had that um, otherwise I've also had brains yeah and I I've, I've had kidneys I think that's probably the most okay. unusual
0: how about yourself? Yeah, and and I had to think about this, and it's not for, like, um, any kind of hesitation. I guess I just really haven't had the opportunity to have some really unusual mm-hmm. things. Um, so the, the pig head dinner was one that you mentioned that uh, that uh, I also shared. Crickets at Awomni, which we just discussed in a previous episode. You couldn't have it because apparently if you have a shrimp allergy... It is possible, or even likely, that you will also be allergic to crickets because of the like the exoskeleton yeah. or something. So, fun fact. Yeah, but Who I knew? willingly ate the crickets and they were totally fine. They were good. Um, and then great source of protein from what I hear. Mm-hmm. And then I know I've had escargot before, which is delicious. Oh yum! Uh, snails, and I think that's it. Okay, that I can think of. Although we we were driving by the. Uh, the local taqueria here in Minneapolis. And, and they had the big sign out front that said, uh, let's see, they had beef tongue tacos, they but, had beef cheek tacos, but then it said they had beef, beef head. Yeah. Beef and I was cabeza. wondering if you ate the tongue and the cheeks and these other tacos and, like, what's left that you're eating in the, the beef head tacos. Who knows? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Little little from the back of the, the ears or something. Who I knows?
1: love, I love, I love Lingua. I used to get it whenever we would go to um, Pueblo Nuevo. You can get it down the street.
0: They'll hook I, you up. I can get it downstairs too. That's true. Actually. All right. Should we talk about this book? Let's do it. All right. One Pot, Pan Planet by Anna Jones. Um, this is her most recent book that focuses on uh, plant-based cuisine with an emphasis on sustainability, minimizing waste, Um, and then this book also has the added kind of angle of one-pot cooking, although as we'll discuss in a bit, we found that to not always be the case. What else can we say about this? Just taking a more mindful approach to how you grow, source, shop, and cook food.
1: Yeah, Perhaps. there's there's actually well, there's actually a whole chapter that has no recipes and it's Right. it's just talking about how you can be more mindful ways to reduce waste and making
0: things stretch further. Right. Her previous books I think took a more kind of gentle approach to this type of cuisine and and these approaches but uh, this one definitely has like more of a sense of urgency, just because of the current state of the planet mm-hmm. and climate change, and you know. And so there's you can definitely kind of feel that within the writing and the book and stuff. And so that's that's definitely uh, an angle that it.
1: So I'll give a bulletish bullet list of the dishes we made. We started off with a sweet potato, ginger, and coconut stew. Then there was a carrot and sesame pancake, uh, asparagus and greens frittata, green olive and herb welch cakes, uh, crispy caper and slow roasted tomato tomato pepper doll.
0: Awesome. All right. All right. Let's talk the sweet potato, ginger and coconut stew. And another thing that should be noted is I think like all the recipes in this book, it really is kind of like this melting pot of cultures uh-huh. and traditions and it's really drawing from I think the the author resides in London and you can really tell that she's drawing from all these different influences for the recipes and the inspiration for for this book so right uh, this one has some roots in like Rastafarian ital uh-huh. stew um there's a lot of uh spices that kind of form the base of this
1: yep it starts with you start off with a paste that's got allspice scallions garlic ginger
0: thyme cilantro a little bit of lime juice and then there's some coconut milk Mm -hmm. that forms the the broth of this and then um, squash and sweet potato are are added in and simmered along with black-eyed peas that are mashed yep and then um, toward the end of the cook, you pile on some kale and allow it to wilt just before serving. And then we topped ours with some pumpkin seeds and some pre-gluten-free diet Victoria flatbread. Yes. Yes.
1: But I couldn't do it now. Yeah. <laughs> but
0: uh, what did you think of this?
1: I liked it. I thought, I thought that the um, spice level was really good. It, mm-hmm. And it was fairly even. There was not a little bit of too much of any of the spices. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was really tasty. Yeah. But I don't think we changed anything.
0: And I believe we had leftovers, which we just kind of gently reheated the following day, and they were totally fine for lunch.
1: Yeah. And I like so. that, you know, I love black-eyed peas, so that's always a plus.
0: Yeah. And, and a dish that isn't going to leave you feeling like uncomfortably full, mm-hmm. like, and that's what I really enjoyed about all these dishes too. Is you you have these, you feel satisfied, but you're not uh, you don't feel you, like you like feel you're... good about eating them, yeah, because you know that you just ate a big bowl of like fresh vegetables and and you know and that.
1: You're not like I have this big lump in mass sitting in my belly, <laughs> yes. like turning around.
0: No food babies in this book. No. Um, <laughs> let's talk carrot and sesame pancakes.
1: Okay. So th- these are made with both rice and chickpea flour. So the pancake itself is gluten-free, mm-hmm. I just want to point out. Mm-hmm. Um, for us, the, we felt that the batter was a little bit thick.
0: Yeah, I was expecting something, and I think it even mentioned in the recipe that you could just kind of pour into the pan, but this was definitely a little bit almost paste-like. In yeah, the we had to spread it out with a yes. spatula. So um, your your results may vary, but you know we had to kind of spoon ours in and then shape it in the pan.
1: I mean, I suppose we could have just added more liquid, but eh. True. I mean, <laughs> I was just
0: following the recipe, yeah. so that's, that's the consistency that we ended up with. But these were delicious.
1: Oh, they they also had cabbage mm-hmm. in them and scallions, carrots, and there was a whole assortment of herbs.
0: Don't forget the kimchi.
1: There was kimchi in there, and there was a dipping sauce uh, that was made with soy sauce. Use tamari if you're going to go gluten-free. Yep. Uh, lime juice uh, and lime zest and some chili oil. Yeah. And uh, it gets finished with a little sprinkle of togaroshi. Um and I have to say this was actually my favorite recipe from the book.
0: Right? Yeah. So this is, you know, I guess if you're gonna reduce it down to its essence, it's, it's primarily like Asian flavors, mm-hmm. and um, this was great. Great. I, I'm a I'm a fan of savory pancakes. I am too. And, and breakfast for dinner, and this mm-hmm. kind of checked all the boxes. Um, let's talk this asparagus and greens frittata.
1: This recipe was uh, had issues because it gave. Well, here let's just talk about it. Sure, what's well, in it, and then we'll talk about what was wrong. With this, this
0: one kind of became a pantry meal for us because we just happened to have a lot of the items on stock and are uh, uh, on hand. And we, I think, did we deviate from the recipe a little bit just to use up some things that we had or did we stick pretty closely to it i don't recall um
1: i think other than adding some chinese spinach and a bunch of herbs that we had on hand mm-hmm. not too much
0: yeah but i know it does it does give you options in the recipe for you know how you could not only make it vegan if you want to skip the eggs but you could you know use um Some other things to you know, in place of you know, something that was in the ingredient list,
1: yeah. We added asparagus, watercress. Oh, watercress was, I think, something else that we added in there, okay, on our own. Uh, Chinese spinach, herbs, and then it gets topped with uh, some ricotta, Mm -hmm. parsley, and chili, and harissa kind of finish it off. Mm -hmm.
0: We did skip, you know, for plating, it it suggests flipping the entire pan over onto a serving tray. But since we were planning on photographing this, just in the cast iron skillet that we cooked it in, yeah. we just kind of skipped that step. Mm-hmm. Plus, you know, I I know myself and it would have ended up on the floor or something. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it probably would have.
0: So if I recall, this required a little longer cooking time than what it said in the recipe, though.
1: It did. And also, I, f- I wish that the vegan method... I wish it would have been... Separate. Separate. The vegan method and the regular method. Uh, especially if you're just looking at the... If you if you glance at the ingredient list, um, for the vegan method, you can use uh, chickpea flour. Mm-hmm. But if you're just looking at the ingredient list, you don't see the... Like, I didn't catch the little ore and I was like, oh, so we're going to use egg and chickpea flour. And then once I read it, a little bit more thoroughly. I was like, okay.
0: Yeah. So that's where I had a few issues with just the way these recipes were formatted because if they aren't already vegan, it will Mm -hmm. offer you suggestions on how to make them vegan, but it's kind of within the body of like the recipe and the instructions. Mm -hmm. And so you kind of find yourself either ignoring Part of this step where it mentions how to make it vegan or kind of jumping around Uh within the recipe, depending on which way you choose to make it. And I know that was a critique that I read uh, once we get to the Amazon reviews that others had with this as well. Uh Nowhere on the the cover of the book does it really say anything about whether it is or is not vegan. It's not, by the way. I think some people were under the impression that it was going to be vegan. And, yeah. and we'll talk about that in a second. Okay. Any other things on this uh, dish? I don't think so. Next one I'll talk about because this is one that I made. Uh-huh. So this was green olive and herb Welsh cakes. Here in America, we would probably consider these more like biscuits. Uh-huh. Um, but in the UK, biscuits are cookies. So we call them Welsh cakes, right? <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> Traditionally, this type of thing would be made with raisins. However, this is kind of a savory version, which featured sautéed leeks and scallions, a little bit of chopped green olive, some capers, dill, parsley, a little bit of shredded cheese. So I've I've made some kind of like savory cheddar biscuits in uh-huh. the past, and this was kind of like in that same in that same lane. We serve these alongside an ancho chili tomato chutney.
1: I thought the t- the chutney was really
0: delicious. Yes. And we brought this to a dinner party and served it up as like a little appetizer.
1: And they were all gone by the end of the night.
0: That's always a good sign. Mm-hmm. And I had some people requesting the recipe. So
1: I'd consider that a success. Yeah,
0: I mean, these were pretty easy to make. They came together really, really easily. Uh, I had no issues with the recipe.
1: Did we bring all of them or did we save some for home?
0: I think we brought all of them. Damn. And they they all went. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> we should have saved some. I, I think
0: we had one or two before we before we went over there, so. And I and I I probably stuffed a few others in my face at the at the dinner party, so.
1: Oh yeah, of course.
0: So yeah. Uh and then lastly, let's talk this crispy caper and slow roasted tomato pepperdell. Is that how you say it? Pa- yeah. Pepperdell? I
1: think I always mispronounce it. Like I'll say pepper doll.
0: <laughs> Because we were fancy like that. Yeah. Well, I think this was my favorite dish. Okay. Yeah.
1: It was delicious. But here's the thing. This thing created a lot of dishes.
0: Yes. For a book that claims to focus on, you know, using one pan, one pan uh, pot, one tray to compose the meal, this was a little misleading. Because uh-huh. there was no way you could make this all just using, you know, one pot. There were several mixing bowls required. There were some other steps that, you know, maybe you could get by without using a dish or something, but you were just going to create more mess or work for yourself. Yeah, like
1: she recommends draining capers on a paper towel. Well, I mean, you could drain them in a colander and save the paper towel. Which Correct. Doesn't seem very planet minded
0: to me. Right. So not to mention, like if you just drain them on a paper towel on your kitchen ta- counter, you're going to have a mess to wipe up. Yeah. After that, because these these were capers that were fried in oil, so you're dumping the pan with the oil and the capers out onto a paper towel, and it just it didn't specify, you know, like hey, you should put the paper towel on a plate, and for a, a book that's you know trying to reduce the amount of dishes that you use in a recipe. Some of the steps seemed a little not ideal.
1: Yeah. Let's actually talk about. Yeah. 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 So
0: we kind of got ahead of ourselves. So the the cherry tomatoes are roasted in a baking dish along with garlic, chili um, with some oil until the flavors kind of melt together and the tomatoes have collapsed. Half of the mixture is put into a blender and, uh, Blended until smooth, and then that gets mixed back in with the reserved cooked tomatoes. Uh-huh. And then um, you've got some reserved tomato oil. Um, that gets heated in a skillet, and you use that to fry the capers until crispy.
1: So we're on two pots right now
0: because yes. you have one for the pasta. Not to mention a few mixing bowls. Uh-huh. Um, practically speaking, you'll want this... Uh, capers being uh, drained onto a plate or some kind of bowl, or like you said, a colander or strainer.
1: Just drain them over the sink. Exactly. For Pete's sake.
0: Next, you'll need a pot to boil water in for your pasta. Lastly, that cooked pasta is transferred to a large bowl, which contains your tomato mixture. Then when you plate the dish, you scatter a little bit of ricotta and those crispy capers on top. Yeah, I mean, I thought the completed recipe was delicious. It was really good. Um, I just remember having a lot of dishes to do after after we were done.
1: I kind of feel like the end result wasn't... Um, worth the, with as, all the effort. Yeah, as spectacular as the amount of... I mean, of it's a pasta dish. Effort, Right. Yes. As the amount of effort that it took.
0: So. But, I mean, I will say the end result was much tastier than if you had just opened a jar of tomato sauce or well, something. Well, of so, course. So...
1: Jard- I,
0: For what that's worth. Yeah. Before we talk about our rankings, we will discuss the most critical Amazon reviews. I found a few of them. I oh. thought these ones were were most worth sharing. Sure. Um, you want to start with the first one? Go ahead. All right. <laughs> so this comes from Ash, and he gave it one out of five stars. said, I was really excited about this cookbook. Had read great reviews, but after being a bit disillusioned by the claims in the early chapters of it being green, yet... It includes products that would have to be shipped internationally. He made one recipe, which was the celeriac with red wine stew and cheddar dumplings. Um, It certainly didn't take just one pot. I had a lot of prep dishes to wash, which was our experience as well. By the way, if you can prep all the veg um, in five minutes that it takes to cook the onion and garlic, my hat's off to you. Right. Um, I also had to throw away the stew. There's just not enough liquid. And once I added the dumplings, it became a mush. Um, I was able to remove and salvage um, by baking the dumplings. But I'm definitely not feeling like I did anything but waste food on this recipe and waste money and fossil fuels on having this book shipped. (laughs) Whoa! Mm. Beware, there are few, if any, chef reviews of this book. The recipes are not well tested and not well written. I.e., what size crock pot should I use? And that's the thing is, like, if you look at the individual recipes, uh, the ingredient list is sometimes lengthy. I mean, it's a lot of pantry staples, but Uh it's not just throwing together, like, four or five ingredients. Right. And then the steps with the recipe was uh, also lengthy Uh at times. Uh, You want to discuss the next one? Sure. All right. Bob gave it one out
1: of five stars. Uh, Well, suckered here. Advertising spin clearly doesn't express that it's for vegetarians. However, if you are a ruminant, then you will probably like it, right? I'm off to McDonald's. Oh, Bob. So, for those of you who don't know, I had to look it up. Uh, ruminant. There's two different uh, two different definitions. One is an animal that eats cud that's regurgitated. Oh, Wow. Uh, and, and the other is a person that's given to meditation. Contemplative.
0: So he was being dismissive and, and probably trying to come up with a fancy word for like d- disparaging someone and calling them like a dirty hippie or something. Yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Bob. Sure. Enjoy your McDonald's. I'll go meditate. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's discuss our rankings beginning with food photography and styling. What'd you have, Victoria? I gave it a four. Okay.
1: I felt like the food photography had it felt very light. The styling was not very fussy. Uh, there was good use of multiple textures. several of the photos had hard light and really nice shadows mm-hmm. um, It was mostly overhead uh, One thing that I noticed is that some of the pl- there were there were photos of like vegetables just by themselves mm-hmm. and I noticed that ones that seemed a little bit more exotic they would ha- they would have a caption of what they actually were on the page. Mm-hmm. And also, there were a lot of like three-quarter page photos.
0: Yes. It's they were not all formatted the same no. or even placed on the page mm-hmm. in the same position.
1: Yeah. So, I, I guess that's an interesting f- formatting choice.
0: And that probably has more to do with the design and layout. but Yeah. But yeah. I uh, noticed that as well.
1: Yeah. I, I, I thought um, the aesthetic was nice without it being too gimmicky or like... That horrible, overtly Instagram aesthetic that I feel like a lot of books try and do.
0: Although I felt it kind of leaned in that direction okay. at times. Yeah. Sure. All right. right. Would you give it? I give it a five. Okay. Issy Croker is the photographer. She's got a great Instagram page, which we follow. I thought the photographs had more of kind of a like, quote unquote, artistic aesthetic, a lot of angles. I was surprised that you thought it was all overhead shots. No, no, no. no.
1: I saw some that weren't. I mean, there was a lot of angles, a lot of shadows. I felt like it was the vast majority of it
0: was overhead. A lot of drama, I said. Because and then I think that was just because of the use of like a lot of additional props and linens. And there there were a few photos of like an individual plate or a dish of food. But there were probably twice as many photographs where there were like multiple plates in the in the frame, serving bowls side dishes like things like that or you know the rule of threes where they'd have like yeah. three plates and, and and or like a serving dish and two plates of food or something so um they really kind of leaned into that aesthetic i thought like i said there was a lot of use of props linens utensils kind of a cool color editing i would say didn't you think the yes. overall tones were yes, kind of cool yes but i like overall i thought all the photos were gorgeous they're very stylized but Didn't come across as fussy, Uh but probably a little more elevated and a little more like artful than what you would normally expect from a cookbook. So, okay. Yeah, I had I had no problems with them. I thought they were they were really gorgeous photos. What'd you give give it for design and layout? I gave it a 4. Okay. Um I had no real issues. Um the the font choice and size I thought were were great. They made everything was very easy to read. The chapters are divided into things like one pot, one planet, one pan, one vegetable, waste less, which just deals more it's a short chapter but it deals more with like Reducing food waste, making use of like leftover ingredients or what to do with some of these like scraps or leftovers that you might have and like making sauces and things like that that you can use on other dishes. The recipe ingredients themselves are divided um, amongst like the main dish and then like if there were other components like a topping or a sauce and Uh then also... They have a section called like to serve, which would be like the things you'd probably garnish or use at the end for finishing the dish. And I know that's kind of how you like the recipes to be formatted. The book itself is also packed with a lot of additional information regarding like sustainability, nutrition. There's a veg chapter in here that has, it's not so much recipes as it is just kind of like, Choose your own adventure, kind yes. of getting you to think in terms of like, here's ten simple and there's like several pages devoted to this. Here's ten simple things you can do with things like squash, broccoli, peas, yeah. potatoes. And so it gives you, you know, that as a starting point. And then from there you can make all these different dishes. And I and I thought that was really good because that's certainly gonna help people not only get more confident in the kitchen, but like reduce food waste as well and just think more in terms of like sustainability and seasonality of their produce. What
1: about you? I'm giving it a 3.5. Okay. One of one of the sticking points for me is that it has no there's no time indications like mm-hmm. this is the amount of prep time, this mm-hmm. is the amount of active cook time because I think for a lot of people that goes a long way into your choice of what recipe you decide to make. Right. Like if I see something that has like three hours worth of time and I, and it's like a work day or whatever, I'm going to be like, no.
0: Right. And and not knowing that, you might get yourself into a dish that you thought was going to be simple, easy to make, and it's taking more time than expected. So I think that's just a good... Uh, it, it's I, I feel like it's basically included most of the time in recipes yeah. these days. And so to Which m- it
1: was kind of shocking that, it, yeah. that they're...
0: Because it's almost like a courtesy to yes. the, the reader, and and to not have that in there was was kind of a a, a big oversight. I agree with you.
1: Uh, let's see if there's anything else other than like stuff that you had mentioned. I think it, within the recipes there were, as I said before, if they're gonna offer you a vegan method and a regular regular method, separate those because it can get confusing. Right. But yeah, I gave it a 3.5. Okay. For degree of difficulty, I gave it a three. Okay. Because some of the recipes are confusing.
0: Well, and just like you mentioned, just the fact that there's no times yes. um, included in the recipe leaves you kind of in the dark yes. when trying and, to plan.
1: And I feel like this book is misleading because it says, you know, you're either going to use one pot, one pan, and here you are using a shit ton of dishes. Like I, I think it's it misrepresents itself a little bit.
0: Yeah, and if that was kind of the core focus of the book, like you said it is misleading. I think they would have been just better off calling it one planet and just focusing on more the sustainability, the fact that the recipes are like plant-based and and just focus on that part of it instead of I I feel like this message gets a little muddled when they try and incorporate the One pot, one pan, one tray aspect of it. Agree. What else did you have on degree of difficulty? Anything else?
1: No, I don't think so. Okay.
0: Um, I also gave it a three. I think at first glance, if someone's just paging through this book, the ingredient list can appear a little lengthy. Yes. The lack of times that we've already mentioned can leave you a little in the dark about like how difficult this may be or at least how long it might take to to complete from start to finish. Some of these really stylized photos might be a little intimidating for some people. I, so I, I think I, if you're paging through I this book, your point, you're yeah. seeing these like gorgeous photos, you're seeing this... Um, kind of lengthy ingredient list. And to be fair, like most of this stuff is pretty easy, like pantry staples that you probably have on hand, but it's just someone glancing through this. I'm trying to think in in those terms, they might be a little intimidated or they might be a little reluctant to attempt any of these recipes.
1: I could see that.
0: Um, And like we said, like just the fact that some of the recipe instructions are not as concise as they could be and they kind of jump back and forth between you know offering a vegan alternative and the you know the main body of the recipe and the fact that i think in the interest of trying to minimize the amount of dishes that they use sometimes like the methods are a little bit inefficient yeah um and you end up almost taking more time by doing it this way because there were times when you could be doing another component of the dish if you didn't have to wait for this pan to be freed up or something Uh like that and and you're cooking everything in the same pan or at least attempting to. I think most dishes are easy to execute with a few recipes that were mixed in that are probably best reserved for when you're like entertaining or cooking for others or maybe doing like a long weekend supper kind of thing. So
1: yeah. All
0: right. And then uh, lastly, taste.
1: I gave it a four. Okay. Well, I was kind of waffling between like a 3.5 or a 4 mm-hmm. because honestly nothing that I that we made blew me out of the water. Mm-hmm. I wasn't like, "Oh my god, you know, I I want to make that again." Right. No, I'm going to go with the 3.5. But one thing that I really liked about it is that there is nothing that's disguised as something else. They're not trying to do that. You can pretend you're eating chicken. Cauliflower steaks. Yes. <laughs> like I I really appreciate that it was this is what it is, right? And we're gonna make it taste delicious. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the sea, like the seasonings, I'd, the season level of the food. I don't feel like we had to really alter alter it from the recipe or whatever, right? Which is. I mean, I get that people have like personal tastes or whatever, but, you know, sometimes there are cookbooks where you're just like, this is so freaking bland. Um, but this was not the case. No major
0: adjustments. No needed. major
1: adjustments, which to me, I think is really when a recipe is somewhat accurate somewhat accurate when it's accurate. Yes. that's th- That's a plus. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What'd you give it?
0: Uh, I give it a four. Okay. I I will say that this is kind of the type of food that I gravitate to normally. I mean, aside from the occasional indulgence where we'll chomp like a big hamburger or something, this is the type of food that you can eat. And, you know, not only is it delicious, but it's good for you. You feel good about eating it. Um, And that's important. So four. But like you said, I wasn't like blown away by anything, by anything that we made and Would I immediately make something again? Eh, Yeah. Probably not. Yeah. And then before we finish the show, we've got this new segment that we're calling Gastro Obscura, and it is from the book of the same name, and it explores the weird, wonderful culinary traditions, experiences, and ingredients. What do you got for us this week, Victoria?
1: So this week, it is called Hakarl, which is fermented shark.
0: Originating Uh, in...
1: In Iceland. Yes. And it's Greenland shark, which contains large amounts of trimethylene oxide, which is poison. The Vikings came up with this. Of course they did. Yes. Uh, They had to figure out a way. I mean, obviously, this is a good food source, but they had to figure it because this this trimethylene oxide causes uncontrollable intoxication. apparently. Uh, So the Vikings had to figure out a way to get rid of this poison. So what they did is they buried it in a shallow, sandy, gravelly pit. They cleaned the shark first, Mm -hmm. and then they-
0: Gave it a nice bubble bath.
1: (laughs) They um, buried it in the pit, weighted it down with rocks so it could expel the liquid. It seeps Sounds and delicious already. Yes, it seeps and ferments in this little grave for six to twelve weeks. Six
0: to twelve weeks, you mm-hmm. say?
1: Mm-hmm. And then, and then, then it gets dug up, cut into strips, and air dried for several more months. And
0: it, how could it not be delicious? Right,
1: and it can practically last for forever. So apparently, it has a very strong urine stench smells like pee. Go on. Mmm, pee. <laughs> There's two different parts that you can eat. There's the soft white body pieces, which tastes like fish and blue cheese combo. And then the reddish belly meat is extremely chewy.
0: If only you could see my face right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and it's uh, served with this liquor called Brennevin, which is... An aquavit. For those who don't know, aquavit is a caraway-based liqueur. The first time I ever had this, I was—I've had it. uh, I was at—I was going to school in London, and I was at a wrap party for a play.
0: Aquavit or fermented shark?
1: It wasn't. No, it was the Black Death. It wasn't the fermented shark. Okay. Black Death is what they called the Beat. Okay. What was my point? Oh, so there was a woman that w- was working on the production who was from Iceland. By the way, around that time, everybody from
0: Iceland knew Bjork,
1: <laughs> apparently. Um, Small
0: enough country, huh? Yes. They all had their own Bjork story. Right? All they.
1: Right. D- she was in brownies with Bjork.
0: Um, Whoa.
1: Yeah. And I believe that we had the Black Death with uh, dried salt cod, which to me is gross anyway the I can never pronounce it so
0: this it. is still a thing
1: it is still like a thing a,
0: even if it's just kind of a traditional it's,
1: yeah and it's it's gotten like popular with tourists and stuff there is a shark museum where you can get it however like obviously now they cure it in not holes <laughs> there's plastic containers and no dirt and rocks so yeah you might wanna
0: book my trip to Iceland yes um. I'll get back to you on that. All right.
1: Um, so if you enjoyed the show, please rank and review. You can follow us on our socials at we underscore cook underscore books. That's our Instagram. And our Facebook is at we cook books.
0: All right. You know what time it is. Make me laugh. So in in honor, uh, we're recording this um, at the beginning of April and, you know, we just had April Fool's Day and we got duped by a few things. We, yeah, we did. We kept being, you know, we'd be scrolling our, our feed throughout the day and be like, hey, did you know that? Oh, right. Yeah, at a certain point, I, I was just like, I'm,
1: I'm just going to like stay off Twitter and Instagram.
0: So this is kind of a, an April Fool's tribute. Okay. Joke. Uh, very, very timely. Uh, so... For April Fools, I had swapped out all the labels on our spice jars. Victoria is yet to discover my prank, but don't worry. The time is cumin.
1: I'm <laughs> so dumb. Right?
0: <laughs> it seemed like, like a lot of effort to set up that joke.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> nice <laughs> try. Very <a> little
0: reward. <laughs> all right. I'll, I'll do better next time. I got, a, I got a good one queued up for next week. So you say. People just have to come back for for that.
1: I don't know. I think you probably drove people off that We (laughs) lost (laughs) everyone.
0: All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a fantastic week. Stay safe. Stay hungry.